Because I think there's a, I think, you know, there's a lot of people that even though there's resources like you and there's a lot of people that are like fucking terrified of radios. They're like afraid of them. Yeah. They're like, oh, I have a bow fang, but I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. I just, I put it on my plate carrier and, you know, run at the range with it, but I never turned it on. Yeah. Looks yeah. good. It looks good for the gram. You are now listening to the A&R Design Unholstered Podcast with Alex Costa. Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to episode four of the A&R Design Unholstered Podcast with me, Alex Costa, and today's guest, we have A Gaines on Instagram, the radio dude. Stoked to be here. Thanks, man. So you are a radio dork, which is cool as fuck. And um, everyone, we were just talking, but everyone poses their fucking radios on the gram with all their kit and stuff, their unworn kit. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, they don't even have PTTs or nothing hooked up to their kit, but they have radios. And um, I wanted you on the podcast today to kind of break the ice for a lot of people that might have bought a Baofeng on Amazon in lieu of the SCC regulations uh, on radios a couple of years ago. There was some rumors circulating that they were going to ban dual band radios from being purchased on open platforms like Amazon. And I think there are some legislations that are being looked at or coming down the pipe that can affect the radio community. Um, but yeah. Uh, Alex is here to break the ice for all of you on how to get started, where to start, some suggestions on what to go with, if uh, depending on your seriousness. And we'll talk about accessories, uh, antennas, push to talk, comms, and um, how to be prepared. Yeah, man. Let's do it. Let's jump in. All right. Take it away. Uh, well, just excited to be here. Um, I'm, you know, long time listener, first time caller. So, uh, excited to chat radios. I, I think you made a good point. There's a lot of guys who buy radios, but they kind of, they stopped there. They were told they couldn't have them or they were going to be banned. So they naturally rushed out and, you know, bought them in bulk, but then never really took it, you know, to the next step. And, um, it's, you know, for some people, it's very intimidating for others. It comes very naturally. It really just depends on, you know, your background and your level of experience, but they're really not as intimidating as a lot of people think they are. And, you know, buying, buying a radio just to put it on your kit, you know, I I understand that. I, I get that, you know, looking cool is rule number one, but you know, there's a lot of people who are looking to do a little bit more, right. Maximize the potential of these radios and start actually using them and applying them. Uh, not just, you know, buying a, a tactical blade antenna because, you know, it looks cool in our plate carrier, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, we all like cool stuff, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of people asking questions and they just, they don't really know where to go for resources, um, which is, is the challenge most of the time. Yep. And, you know, we can agree. Looking cool is important, especially on the internet. Uh, I have this analogy, tattoos, um, People can argue that tattoos mean something to them deeply. Like, oh, I got this for my mom. But at the end of the day, you got it because it was fucking cool. And you're going to take pictures of it. So radios yeah. are kind of that <laughs> stigma right now. It's like, oh, I got a radio. I, dude, I have radios. I have a bunch of Baofangs that I program myself with your guidance. Um, I have this Yaisu FT3DR here, it's which great, is yeah. a great radio, a great Chinese radio. Um, uh, 
Yeah. So, and, and Alex helped me set that one up. Um, it's a little bit more labor intensive to, to get it working and, and functioning, but, um, you know, I don't, the nice thing is I don't post pictures of this radio on the internet with kit. <laughs> um, and I did get everything I needed for it. So I finally got my calm set up, nice. uh, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah. So where would someone start? Like, okay, you bought your radio, you bought it on Amazon during your panic buying of radios. Mm-hmm. And we know we have a friend, we have a mutual friend named Brett that bought like 400 fucking radios Yes. and you, you programmed them all, sent them back. And then, yes. Brett's assistant, Peter, uh, paint markered them, uh, put them into a, a battery charging bank, and then they haven't been used since. So for those people um, who haven't even programmed their radios, where do you start? That's that's a great question. Uh, Brett was one of the biggest orders I ever did. I've never done that many radios back to back. He sent me literally a giant box of just hundreds of radios kind of all floating around and they're mixed in together. Um, that, that was fun. Um, he actually was just, uh, he sent me a DM the other day. He said he needs to get an FT3D now that you have one and I have one. He feels left behind. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I definitely, he's, he's a good, you know, he's, he's great in the preparedness department. Um, I think there's a lot of people like him, right? They buy it and they, you know, they just, they want to have it tucked away and that's fine. But, you know, taking that next step, I think is actually using it, right? Applying it, I think is, is really important. I first got into radios probably seven, seven or more years ago. My father-in-law is a big ham radio, amateur radio guy. And he gifted me two Balfong radios for Christmas. And I was exactly like everyone else. I, I, you know, turned them on and looked at them. I was like, wow, this is great. I have no idea how to get started. So they went back in the box for, you know, six months. Um, I was living in Chicago at the time. There was some unrest going on and some uncertainty in the world, which is always the biggest motivator, right? For people to get, you know, inspired about being prepared and, and being ready for, you know, the uncertain. And uh, that's kind of where all it, it all started. And I went through the same hoops and challenges that most people go through when they buy, you know, their first, you know, Chinese radio, entry-level radio, um, you know, they're, they're very cost-effective. It's a great, you know, it's a gateway drug, so to speak for 35 bucks. You really can't beat this, right? It's not going to be the best quality. It's not going to last super long. The internal, like the, the, the internals are not very refined, right? But for 35 bucks, anybody can get into the hobby and just see if they like it. There's a very low barrier to entry. So, um, I started figuring out how to program these, right? And I, watched YouTube videos, messed with drivers, went through a couple of bad cables, tried Macs and PCs. Um, back then it was, it was even more difficult, uh, to get it going than it is now. Some people get really lucky and it's just plug and play and, and, you know, life is great for those people. But back then I had a dedicated PC that I bought from a dental lab just to program radios because Macs and, and chirp were not getting along at that point in time. So programming is a really good skill to have. There's lots of people who learn it and everyone should learn it. That's, you know, my recommendation. Um, I offer a paid service to help people who get stuck basically. And usually it's not the radio. It's always the drivers or the cable or the operating system or, you know, something not, you know, communicating or some safety, uh, some privacy settings or something that is really holding them up. Yep. And 90% of my time is in troubleshooting. Yep. It's really what it is. Um, so that's kind of how I got started into it. And from there, you know, the last seven years has just evolved and now I've got, you know, bigger, better radios. I've got, you know, antennas on my roof here at home. I've got larger mobile rigs and, um, I wish I had more time to be, you know, on the air like daily, but, uh, between, you know, guns, hunting, night vision, you know, all this other stuff that I've got going on. Um, you know, I, I try to, you know, try to stay fresh and try to stay on top of my radio skills. Yep. 
but at least you have the capabilities, right? So one of the things that I've been like looking into is like I started hunting four years ago now and or three years ago now. No, it's been four years. And, um, you know, I, I think not just men, but women, people, people are measured by their capabilities, their their overall worth, what they bring to the table. And you can talk about that in a panicky preparedness sense or just an everyday outlook sense. But one thing that I always want to be is I want to be really good at shooting. I want to be really good at hunting. I want to be well versed in communications because if the cell networks go down and you want to talk to your buddy up the street or you're doing something or you're hunting or you're training, communication is absolutely paramount. And uh, in any situation, communication is paramount, even down to your relationships. So, um, so with that being said, like for me, like capabilities training is like what I'm focused on. I'm a good shooter. You're a good shooter. Uh, we're, we're better with night vision. Now we understand laser theory. We, uh, you know, are getting into different aspects of shooting, not just black gun, flat range bullshit. Um, so for me, like a person is measured in their capability, what they have accomplished and what they're able to bring to the table. Like, you know, we're both pretty smart dudes, engineering. Can you build stuff? Can, can you fucking swing a hammer? <laughs> you know, you know how many dudes like in their like late 20s I've met that have never fucking picked up a hammer? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and this is one of those things. Radios are one of those things. All these people have all this kit and um, a lot of people post pictures of just fucking. A tactical shirt and uh, like a combat top not yep. being worn on the ground yep. with a plate carrier sandwich around it and a fucking radio. And they're like kit. And you're just like, cool. Why are you wearing it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> why, why is it not? Why is it not sweaty and covered in mud and torn in certain places? Yeah, right. I'm, fucked up. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, that's that's the beauty of I call it gun culture 2.0. Right. I, I came into guns. Uh, I bought my first rifle when I moved to Texas like four years ago. Um, I didn't grow up in a house with guns. I never owned a deer rifle. I've never I've actually never hunted deer, to be very honest with me you. Either. I've never I've never owned a Woodstock gun. But, you know, <laughs> my first gun was a Glock 17 because I'd seen that in, you know, a Rainbow Six game. And I thought that was cool. Rotate and your camera from, back. Oh, sorry. <laughs> See, your OCD was like, I got to straighten this out. <laughs> like, this is not level. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, it, it's kind of, you know, gun culture 2.0 has kind of, you know, there was the FUDs and the folklore, and we've kind of left that behind. And now now we're all about, you know, why shouldn't somebody have a, you know, a 10 and a half inch gun with a laser on it, you know, with no military background? That's their right, right? As a citizen, if they enjoy that, power to them. Go and pursue that and become very proficient with that. Um, the first, I think, major skill development focus in the gun world that I saw was really getting into medical for a long time. It was all about, you know, this is my battle belt. This is my helmet, whatever. And everyone was like, well, where's your tourniquet, right? Where's your chest seal? Where's, you know, where's all this stuff that you need in your IFAC. And, and, you know, we went through this big learning process of like, all right, we need to get medical because if we can make holes, we need to plug holes. Right. It just makes sense. The second big movement I think was communications. And it was really inspired by what you mentioned, right? The FCC said, Hey, we're going to ban these radios because People are misusing them and, you know, broadcasting where they shouldn't be. Right. Um, so everyone was like, well, let's, let's buy them up. And now people are realizing, hey, you know, I can communicate with my buddies at the range on a hunt, you know, just out and about, you know, in, in the city. And, uh, you know, this is an important tool because the first thing to your point that goes down in, in, a, in an emergency, you know, there's a mass call event and yep. cell towers become completely unloaded. Uh, overloaded, I should say. And we, we've seen this time and time again. And whenever there's an earthquake or a terrorist attack or, you know, Boston, the, the bombing was a perfect example yep. of this. 
the, the network just becomes completely clogged and you can't get calls through. So to have some kind of backup method of communication, um, you know, it makes a lot of sense. If you've got guns and medical and food storage and you're that kind of guy, like radios is, is an obvious next step. Yep. And then it, even down to like, oh, your buddy is following you to, you know, a location like, oh, hey, let's just kind of carpool, not carpool, but like, you know, motorcade it up, yeah. con <laughs> convoy it up on the highway, you yeah. know, and picking up a cell phone and making a call or shooting a text is dangerous, but you have a radio that's on and you can just, you know, beep them over. Uh, so that's also a much safer way to communicate if you are doing like little convoys. I mean, we say convoys like it's fucking an operational thing, but we just mean yeah. like, oh, your parents are following you down a dirt road and there's no reception. Throw them a radio. Keep this on. Yeah. If you need to ask, tell me to stop. Here it is. You know, even down to something so simple. I know uh, my buddy Rick, GS Weapons, he's actually mm -hmm. going to we're going to podcast later, but Love um, Rick's awesome. But Rick, <laughs> him and his dudes always have radios on them and they fucking use them. Uh, even between vehicles, like when Rick's riding with me and Sean's a vehicle back, they're pinging each other on the highway. Just be like, hey, we're going to pull off real quick, get gas, like, you know, whatever. And it's super useful tool. Now, you, you mentioned Chirp a few times. Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about Chirp real quick. What it is, who runs it, why it's important and why the fuck it's awesome because it's free. That's a great question. So Chirp is, as far as I'm aware, um, Chirp is run by amateur radio enthusiasts, right? It's, it's free software. It's updated by the community. It's, you know, you might consider it freeware. There's periodic updates as new radio models are released and, you know, different codes are integrated into that. Um, it's really been the go-to programming software for many, many years. There are paid options out there. A lot of them are less intuitive, honestly don't have uh, as many features. Um, Chirp is not beautiful and it's UX and it's UI. Like it's a little bit clunky sometimes because it is volunteer run, um, but it is the most robust. It is the most universal software uh, for radios that I've ever used. I can go from programming a Chinese radio like this to, uh, you know, a nicer Yesu to, you know, you know, another brand. And there's, there's hundreds of radios that are, you know, uh, ready to rock and roll just in that Chirp software. So Chirp, um, is what I use just because it's, it's intuitive. I've been using it for so many years, but, uh, you know, sometimes chirp chirp. Well, it's not really chirp. It's the driver's fault. I should say a lot of PCs, you know, depending on your service pack or your operating system have issues with drivers. Macs are the same. We can go into a whole discussion about cables and which one to buy, but yeah. there's just, there was, there was a massive influx of what we would call fake cables, right? The, yep. the little chip inside that converts, you know, data into an analog signal through the Kenwood plug was, was counterfeit and the drivers wouldn't work. And that was typically why, you know, people had such issues programming the radios. If you get a good cable and you, you know, know where to find drivers in a pinch, typically that's, you know, that, that's not a concern, but chirp is what I use, um, for all of my radios. And, uh, it's, it's, it's great. It's definitely something that, you know, a tool you want to have in your tool belt. Yep. So, um, we can talk. So Chirp is you just go onto the Chirp website and you can download Chirp for whatever operating system you're running. Uh, you put it on your uh, your PC and basically what it is is when you do have the correct cable for programming whatever radio you have, you plug it in and you follow the order of operations that Chirp tells you to do. You select your radio model and then in most cases you will like I had to download. This was weird. I had to download my Yesu, uh, what was already on it first to mm -hmm. kind of like open the connection. So Alex was talking about 
Uh, troubleshooting is probably the number one issue with radios. Um, there's like an order of operations. Every radio has a mind of its own. Uh, one bow bang might be on a different firmware than another one. So you might program one and then plug the next one into program and it's completely different. So my Yesu, um, there, you, you kind of explained when we were in Texas together, there's an order of operations for the ASU where, you know, you got to turn this on first and plug in this. And then once it's plugged in, while you turn it on, immediately hit receive and then it might send. And, you know, it kind of worked that way for me. Mine was a little different. And I have chirp on my laptop, my work laptop. And uh, the cord, the data cable that I bought off eBay per Alex's guidelines, um, it's supposed to automatically update the drivers for that little USB that plugs into the system. Well, it didn't. And I was like, oh, fuck, I was trying to find the drivers. I couldn't find them locally on the machine. So I was trying to find them on online. And then I have two PCs here. I have a streaming PC and a gaming PC. On my streaming PC, I run Driver Genius which is like a, a third-party application that basically searches your computer and then searches uh, online to where what drivers you need updated. So I plugged in that data cable into my streaming PC and I ran Driver Genius and Driver Genius pulled from that cable what drivers I needed and added them to that computer. And Driver Genius is like 25 bucks a year. So if you do a lot of PC work, it's great. Because once a week, I'll hit Driver Genius to run updates on both my machines to keep them current. Um, but that's how I had to get the drivers for this. Now, this did come with good directions, but to manually add your drivers, you got to follow a step a procedure. And I finally got this to work, and then the send and the receive was like a little bit timing right. Yeah, but yeah. you know, it was a little different than when you were doing it. It wasn't as much timing. It it was it was different. It wasn't like mm. it, it, the screen stayed open for me compared to when we were using your Mac in Texas and it kept like changing. Yeah, um, this one didn't really do that. But there was a couple times I had to unplug it, plug it back in, then hit it or whatever, or I had hit, hit receive and it wasn't like taking my contextual tap. It, it was funny, but it yeah, finally worked. That's that's the crazy thing. Like we were there, we've got the same model radio. I think you have slightly different firmware. I've used my my Mac to program hundreds of radios. I know the cable works. I've used it on mine, but for some reason, it was not communicating with your radio. We tried a different PC. Suddenly, it burst into life. Like yeah. there's so many little things like that that even someone who's been doing this for years and years, I honestly can't explain. Sometimes I've spent a lot of time with folks. Sometimes it's simple, you know. Oh, you've got to put your Yesu, Yesu radio into clone mode, right? It's not like a bow thing where you can just, you know, hit and go and it, it bursts into life. Right. Um, there's been times where, you know, oh, you, you installed Chirp on a desktop, but it was really a cloud desktop and you didn't have permissions to access the drive. Like a lot of it really is like tech troubleshooting more so than the radio itself. But if you have purchased a good cable, um, FTDI is the chipset that I recommend because it should be plug and play. It should download those drivers for you automatically, Mac or PC. 99% of the time, that's the case. Um, the, the older kind of, um, the, the other cables you got a couple of years ago that would come with a little CD that were free with the radio, always are junk. They're always garbage. Yeah. Um, they use a prolific chipset or a, a fake prolific chip, which is why it never works. And, uh, you know, once you've been down this rabbit hole, you, you know, you learn a lot about, you know, drivers and issues and things like that. Um, what I tell people, just people who are not, you know, initiated or not, they don't have the time to go down the rabbit hole, I'm like go on Amazon, buy an FTDI cable that, you know, if anything happens, you can return it and get a new one. It'll save you so much time and hassle and, and frustration. You know, it's just not worth it, you know, messing with the drivers endlessly because 
every time you want to update your radio, you've got to reinstall the drivers, right. To make it work. And it's, right. there's just a long process you have to go through. So you can see why people, uh, you know, get discouraged, uh, or have trouble doing it. Sometimes, you know, it's completely out of the control. Like they're using, you know, cat, you know, Catalina on a Mac and it just doesn't, you know, uh, doesn't work well. It doesn't play nice with right. uh, something they can't control. So, right. And then you get, so like Alex built me, he mapped a, um, a file for my <laughs> Yesu and, you know, normally you plug this into chirp, it's connected, you know, and you can just copy paste or drag and drop or, yep. or go to that file that you sent me and just hit import or export. I forget, but you, out, yeah. So, yep. you know, I did that and it was not responding. It would error. Right. So one of the order of operations that I learned from the Baofengs is download all the data from your radio into its own file. So it's like, oh, I'm comfortable with this. I'm familiar with this. Yep. And then I just copy and pasted the list that you sent me. I just copied and pasted the whole thing onto the downloaded one and then re-uploaded it to my, my radio and it worked. So yep. order of operations, don't get frustrated like, oh, this is this is the way they told me to do it and it's not working. Well, you might need to turn your radio on and turn it back, you know, turn it off and on again. <laughs> yep. Like as yep. simple as that. Um, you know, it, it, it in the downloading, downloading the radio's contents onto Chirp and then copy and pasting and dropping into that and then re-uploading has been probably the most successful order of operations for me. And then you said like in Texas, you're like, Oh yeah, you can't fuck with channel one on the Yesus. Like it it will never work. You have to leave channel one its own yep. entity. So again, another nuance for the Yesus, but um just weird things that nobody tells you, right? And I went through a very frustrating process the first time. Mind you, the FT3D is not cheap, right? I think I paid $350 for mine yeah. a couple of years ago. Um, so, you know, using experimental software, experimental air quotes, like Chirp, you're kind of like, you know, am I going to mess up this radio? Is it going to screw things up? And, you know, that's, I think that's when it pays to have someone who's done it a couple of times and, you know, ironed out some of the kinks and figure it out why channel one can't be messed with, you know, for that particular, you know, radio model. But I mean, you know, like I said, Chirp is a great skill. I think, you know, everybody should learn how to do it. Yeah. There's just a bit of a learning curve uh, at first. And you do need to invest some time and some study. Um, I think that's true of radios in general, right? Um, a lot of guys get into radio or radios, they buy a couple of radios and they get discouraged when, you know, they look at, you know, a ham ticket, you know, your amateur license as, an, as a, you know, as an operator, there, there's a test and that's intimidating to a lot of people. And they have to learn about, you know, you know, ground wave propagation and all this stuff they never really wanted to learn. You don't probably really need to know to operate on a daily basis, but you know, is, is another hoop they have to jump through. So that might be something we talk about today is, you know, amateur frequencies versus, you know, FRS or GMRS or MERS. There's, there's different bands out there that can suit your needs. Right. A lot of guys are looking for, you know, private communications, like, you know, get on some business bands that can have encryption or, you know, DMR protocols, uh, digital radio can also offer some benefits like that as well. So, you know, whatever you're looking for, it's, it's kind of like guns, you know, do you want to be a long range shooter, you know, putting a hole in a hole at a thousand yards, like HF global contacts, you know, talking to some guy in Poland, if that's your jam, there's a radio out there that does that. If you want to be close communications with a team and, you know, more private, there's probably a solution, you know, uh, you know, depending on your budget that can help you accomplish that. 
whatever you know tickles your fancy yeah so alex was just talking about getting her operator's license so um to operators licenses are used to communicate on repeater networks like Correct. this is what the fcc controls now you can just pick up one of these radios there's a bunch of uh fr frequencies that you can use right out the gate you can talk to your friends locally whatever it's not a crime <laughs> just to pick up your you know one of the 450 <laughs> ch uh, channels and you can just ping your buddies back and forth uh, locally. But when you get into, so what Alex does is you can pay for his service and he'll program the radio and he'll give you a bunch of different channels, a bunch of different repeaters, uh, stuff locally to your zip code, that's part of his service. And then you can let your radio run on scan and you can pick up different repeater networks and you can kind of listen to what's going on, but you're not legally allowed to broadcast and that's kind of the whole point of if you choose that you really want to get into the hobby of radios you should get your operator's license so that you can broadcast so you can participate on repeater networks and do it legally um you know so that's that's what there's two ways you can go you can get programmed radio from alex you can only listen and then use the the legal channels to communicate with your friends while traveling and whatnot uh, and then you can go the more serious route, get your operator's license and start to pursue it as a hobby. And a lot of people love that. And there's cool communities involved with that. But um, yeah, so I'm a listener right now. I Alex set this up. So locally in New Hampshire, I can drive around with this in my truck scanning and I can listen to different repeater networks. I can listen to what's going on. I have emergency channels, MERS channels, FRS channels. Uh, stuff that if I really needed to an emergency situation, I could use those channels legally Correct. and it's yeah. emergency is legal. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you bring up a good point. There's always a legal disclaimer I have to share uh, with people just so they understand the rules. Uh, you know, we're all grownups. We're all responsible for ourselves and our own actions. I'm not going to police you or baby you, but you know, I just, I make sure that everybody understands exactly what the expectations are, right? The FCC says that if you want to transmit on amateur frequencies, you do need a, a license to do that, right? Uh, at least a technician class license. There's multiple levels, right? That you can test into later. Um, I was supposed to take my general a couple of months ago and just got super busy. They're doing online testing now, which, which makes it a lot easier, but uh, yeah, to your point, if there is an emergency, a life and death situation where no other means of communication are available, you can use whatever is in your power, whatever radio you have and whatever frequency is available to get help. Um, so that's, you know, really important in emergencies, whether it's a tornado down here in Dallas or a hurricane, what have you, having that radio there is great. If it's life and death, use it, right? Protect yourself, save yourself, protect your family. Uh, you know, th there's a, a provision that, you know, keeps you safe in doing so. Um, what I don't recommend is, you know, buying a radio, you know, going to a repeater, keying up and just starting talking to people because they're going to ask, you know, you know, what's your call sign? You know, do you have a license? The there's a lot of similarities between radio rules and, and like the NFA. Right. And we understand how just arbitrary and, and asinine a lot of the NFA requirements are. But, uh, you know, for amateur radio, you can use any, you know, any power outage, any wattage that you like, typically any kind of antenna, any kind of radio, uh, because it, you know, it's open to experimentation. You know, you can build your own radio. That's fine. When you get to something like FRS or, or GMRS or MERS, there are requirements designed specifically for that band. FRS is like your, you know, blister pack, Walmart walkie talkies that are about half a watt. 
um, you know, my son has a Pikachu radio, right? That's FRS. And he doesn't need a license to use that because it's what we call type approved. Um, the, the antenna is not detachable. The power output is limited specifically for that band. So you don't need a license. Uh, MERS is similar. It was previously the business band. If you buy, this is my MERS radio that I use most often at the range because, you know, anybody can buy this for $50 and get four MERS channels and broadcast as much as they want. No call signs, no limitations, because the radio itself qualifies usage on that on that that band, right? It's type approved. Um, so there are options out there. Um, like like I said, it's the, the regulations seem very arbitrary. You know, why can I have a detachable antenna or not a detachable antenna? Why is it this power out limit? You know, and not another limit. It's kind of like the NFA, like stock versus a brace, arbitrary barrel lengths, all that kind of stuff. And that's really frustrating uh, to a lot of people. But my caveat, I throw this out there, you know, as a, as a licensed operator in a, in, a, in a hobby that is supposed to be self-regulating, right? Because there's not enough FCC folks to be monitoring channels at all time. Just encourage everyone to make sure you understand where you're transmitting, you know, how far, you know, your signal could potentially go, your power output, what band you're supposed to be on, you know, the, the, the hardware you're using. Make sure you understand what you're doing. Uh, make sure you do it the right way and, you know, stay out of trouble. That's just, that's my only caveat. <laughs> yeah. It's like prank calling 911. Like yeah. You just don't want to do it. It's not cool. There are people that are using repeater channels for actual communication purposes. They're following the law. They're doing their job. Um, you know, some, you know, a lot of those channels that are, you know, professional channels and, yeah. you know, you don't want some fucking snot nosed 21 year old showing up with fucking bow fang, just, cluttering up a channel being yeah, exactly so, and and you know there are options right like mers is a great option because it's you know there's no license fee you buy the radio you're good to go you can use it as much as you want and this is basically what i tell everyone to go to if you don't want to take a test right um, the other option is gmrs um, which is a 70 dollars license it lasts for 10 years you get a call sign your immediate family members can use it i've got a buddy actually who just set up a gmrs for peter because he had so many friends who said, hey, I want to talk to you on the radio. They saw the testing requirements for amateur license and said, ah, it's not worth it. I'll just pay the 70 bucks and go to GMRS. Right. So whatever your level of you know, dedication is, whatever you're willing to do, there's probably a band that can kind of suit your needs. Um, but yeah, you know, jumping on a radio and just transmitting and, and clogging up repeaters is a great way to have uh, you know, the old dudes, the old fuds at the ham club, get a directional antenna and maybe come find you and, <laughs> you know, figure out why you're just blasting them on the airwaves constantly and annoying the crap out of them. Triangulate your location <laughs> yeah. and report yeah, I mean, you. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny to think about, you know, some old dudes getting out of a, you know, suburban with their, you know, uh, you know, directional antennas, but uh, it, it's a hobby for them, right? My local ham club here that I'm a member of has, uh, you know, competitions every weekend they will hide a beacon somewhere around the city and practice locating it right and it's five watts it's not very high power you know it's typically an ammo can with a battery a radio and antenna sticking out of it and they win points based on who finds it and who hides it and they've got you know it's, it's a game to them because they get to practice literally triangulating and finding the source of a signal so uh you know it's don't don't live your life in fear right just don't be obnoxious understand yeah. the rules, understand where you're supposed to be, where you're not supposed to be. Don't draw attention to yourself. Um, be smart. Don't be an idiot. And you know, chances are you're going to be just fine. Awesome. So your favorite radio that you keep showing, let's talk about that. Now it's uh, what model, where you can find it. I see that you have a disco 32 whip on top, you know, Correct. what's the, what's the range with that setup that you have? 
uh, and that's your MERS radio. It's four channels. Yeah. Yep. Great question. Um, let's unpack a few things. Range is, I get this question a lot, right? How far can these things transmit? It's like, well, how deep is the ocean, right? What's your environment? What city are you in? What's your elevation is, you know, what's mountains. The building, <laughs> right. What's, what's the building density, right? So here in, I'm in Dallas, so I'm in the suburbs. Dallas is very flat. Um, you know, with a good radio like this, I can get three or four more miles, even in the suburbs, I can hit a repeater. No, no problem. But with a cheaper radio, you know, like a UV five R very basic, uh, I can get maybe one and a half miles in the suburbs. Um, there's a lot of factors involved, right? Like, are you transmitting at two Watts or five Watts or 50 Watts? That's going to be a big factor, but a big thing that people neglect often is the antenna. You know, they assume I've got, let's see, I've got one right here. You know, this is the, the rubber duck antenna that comes, you know, from the factory and it's not very good. Um, it's, it's okay, but it's not great. The first thing you want to do is replace the antenna because resonance is key. Um, you know, if you think about an electromagnetic wave as energy, it has to resonate and, and, you know, uh, become free from the antenna, right? If it doesn't resonate, it doesn't, you know, leave the antenna, all that energy just goes back into your radio. It's called SWR and it's going to, you know, fry your circuits. So, you know, upgrading your antenna can increase performance incredibly right from the get-go because the antenna is tuned to resonate at the frequency that you're operating at. So for MERS, uh, you know, it's, it's only a couple of Watts. It's not, you know, anything crazy. The VMOS is what I've been using recently from Disco 32. And, um, I bought a lot of their, you know, products in the past. They've also been really supportive and sent me a couple of PTTs and things as well. So they're, they're great people, but you know, this weaves into my plate carrier, right? I, I understand and respect the fact that a lot of people want a cool blade antenna on their plate carrier that sticks up. Um, you know, looking cool is rule number one. I get it. You know, we all like cool stuff, but I'm just, I'm not a fan of those antennas, right? right. There's some testing I've seen that says, you know, unless you have the 42 inch version, they're super long one, basically the biggest one they make. It's, it's the performance is not that great. Yeah. Um, you're also technically supposed to unfold them to operate and nobody, you know, nobody's really going to do that. It's just unrealistic. So I go with a woven antenna, um, because I'm communicating in close to range when we're on a, you know, whether it's a, a deer lease, you know, or we're out pig hunting, it's big open fields, you know, hundreds of acres. Um, you know, a lot of these radios are considered basically, you know, line of sight and elevation is key. Um, if you're downtown and there's a lot of buildings around, you know, you need to get to elevation. That's the only way you're going to get your signal out, or it's just, it's not going to go very far. So for what I use this for, for pig hunting, it's actually been, you know, very effective. We're always within a couple of hundred yards of each other, vehicle to vehicle, right? Coordinating how to, you know, open a gate or something at a deer lease, you know, a couple of vehicles, or even if we're on, you know, side-by-sides and quad bikes, you know, um, it's been, it's been great. And there's no snag hazard. I just weave it through my plate carrier, my chest rig, whatever I'm wearing that night. Yeah. And it's not going to, you know, whip me in the face or, or, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. get in the way. So that's, that's typically what I use a vest mounted, the VMOS, the vest mounted antenna system An extended battery is, is, is good just because, you know, more juice, more, more time on the air and then a merge radio. So everybody can kind of jump in and not be worried about, you know, some bored boomer who's scanning the airwaves looking for infringements to, you know, try and, you know, call you out on something. So, yep. And it creates that nice grid. So if you're weaving it through your Molly on the back panel yep. of your plate carrier, you're making your antenna bigger, wider, it can catch waves better. Cause people let's, let's, let's break it down to super basics. Radio waves are waves. Like mm -hmm. they are sinusoidal passing through the air and the different Correct. frequencies is the distance between uh, 
peaks peaks and valleys on a wave so frequencies shorter longer longer waves can travel longer distances but might not be as effective on a closer range right than a a tighter Mm -hmm. wave on a close range so um, better better quality you know longer yep. waves less quality but you can transmit farther shorter band is higher quality but doesn't have the, the reach um so that's what radio waves are they're fucking waves they're like microwaves same type yep. of deal you know they, they absolutely you know they have a length right when we talk about two meters and and you know 70 centimeters those bands reflect the length of that wave right and 440 uh you know is going to have you know different properties as far as you know penetration trees buildings things like that than 70 centimeter does which is why in a lot of urban environments repeaters will be on 440 versus you know 140 or 144 um so yeah there's you can go down the rabbit hole on you know electromagnetic wave properties of you know radio signals and it's it's great a lot of the smartest people i've ever talked to um you know who just who study the you know the like the the patterns right of the electromagnetic wave, right? The donut around the radio and different st- design uh, antenna designs that, you know, resonate in different ways. Um, they're like, we, we know about 80% of the science. The other 20% is just magic, yeah. right? Like magic, a, a J pole antenna, right? How does that work? Well, we know pretty much how it works, but like, there's a part of it that just still is just a little bit mystifying to us. It just works. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you and I talked about this briefly in Texas with Jorge, but there are repeaters you know, the number of repeaters back from World War II that mm-hmm. are bouncing between valley walls or whatever, and they still exist. Those those repeaters from so long ago are actually bouncing back and forth in perpetual infinite infinity uh, because it's a wave. You know, there's nothing yep. slowing it down. And if it exactly. keeps bouncing back and forth, it's going to keep. So there's actually places around the world where if you're running a radio, you can actually pick up communications from 50 years ago that are still broadcasting uh, on their own yep. divisiveness. hundred percent. Like you can, there's been situations where guys are getting, you know, with a simple five watt handheld, like an HT, they're getting, making contacts simplex radio to radio at 75 miles wow. because there's literally nothing between them obstructing that signal. Right. right. Um, you know, in, in California where my wife's family's from up on Mount Diablo, they have, you know, the, the Noah weather radio repeater and you can pick that thing up easily 70 miles around because it's at the highest point in the entire area. Right. So they can go very long distances at just five Watts, but at the same time, you know, I, I get guys DMing me, Hey man, I'm just not picking up anything on my radio. What's going on. I'm like, well, where are you operating from? Well, I'm sitting on my couch in my basement with a, you know, a factory antenna. I'm like, well, of course you're not going to pick anything up, right. you know, you get outside and get elevated and, you know, go sit on your roof for a little bit and see what you can hear. Right. And, uh, you know, you know, pick up some, some signals that way. There's crazy stuff you can do in the HF world. Like when you get a really, really low frequency, long wave and start bouncing signals off the ionosphere. Right. And you're, you're checking the calendar for sunspots and, you know, because that will also obviously interfere with, you know, electromagnetic fields, uh, you know, and you're talking to guys in Spain, it's not something that, you know, I've got the hardware, I have yet to jump into it, but you know, that's, you know, that's the thing you can do that. And, you know, you could in theory talk to someone across the country with, you know, only a couple of Watts, if you're doing it the right way, yeah. if your antenna is great, if you're resonating, people assume like, I get this, this message a lot on Instagram. Hey man, there's this Chinese PR 150, you know, PRC 152 clone. And it says it's 10 Watts. I really want it. Cause I want more Watts. And I'm like, well, 10 Watts next to your brain probably isn't, you know, the best idea. 
five watts has been kind of the standard for handy talkies for a very long time. You can do a lot with five watts, a surprising you know amount of capability with such small power. But it really comes down to, you know, what is your position? What's your elevation? Do you have line of sight? What's your antenna? Uh, there's, you know, there's so many other factors that, that come into it versus, uh, you know, more power, more better, right? That's, it's really right. not that simple. You have to be using that, the gain on the antenna, right? If you have a negative gain antenna, there's no point in buying a more powerful radio because that power is getting lost, right? right? It's not resonating. The antenna is turning it into a heat, right? And it's being lost. Yeah. So like I said, for, for the most part, you can get a, you know, UV five R and get something like, uh, this is the one I recommend on Amazon or Nagoya NA seven, seven, one. It's a, it's a very respectable, very decent whip, not very expensive, great place to go. But what I typically recommend is the signal stick, um, and this is made by the guys at hamstudy.org. If you want a great free app to go, you know, study for your test and just support the radio community in general, they make these, um, the 3d they printed. Are, they are the base is 3d printed. Yeah. They're awesome. And it's, it's made, I can't remember the name of the material, but it's essentially some kind of like piano wire, like, uh, you know, metal that's very elastic. Yeah. So you can fold it and bend it around on itself and it's not going to become kinked or tuned to that, that angle. It'll always unfold straight. Yep. So, uh, you know, it's great to keep a radio in your glove box and your backpack, what have you. And it's a very efficient antenna. It's been tuned so that it resonates really well and it has really, really good performance. Yep. So that's my typical spiel on antennas. Yep. I have, I have one of those for my Yesu. Um, right now I'm running a diamond, uh, also a good brand. So yeah, I, I'm running a diamond whip right now. This one can't really be bent on itself, but that's okay. I fly with this too. Like this goes on my carry on and uh, I just slide this up through the Molly on the side of my bag and it just kind of takes the shape of my bag and travel with it. Um, so it's a little bit more intrusive than the one that you're just talking about. But yeah, this is a, this is a great whip. I'm happy with this whip. Um, this is another one you may have seen. It's a little stubby. It's also by Nagoya. So the, the performance of this radio of this antenna, I should say is okay. I would compare it to the factory, like rubber duck antenna. It's no worse than that. It's also no better, but you can bend it totally around on itself and it's not going to become damaged or anything like that. Actually, I was curious to see what was in there. So I pulled it apart. It's just a coil, right? <laughs> and that's a, that's a sneaky way to lengthen an antenna without actually making it longer. You just coil it around, but I can put this in my backpack when I'm going anywhere, like even a small fanny pack or something, uh, you know, change out the battery. So it's not quite as long and you've got a very small, very compact radio you can use in a pinch. Um, what's interesting to call out with, with HTs is your body is actually the ground plane. You're grounding this radio, right? If you want to, if you want your signal to resonate really effectively, you need to ground the radio. So that signal can escape. That's probably the simplest way I can explain it. And your hand actually becomes, the ground plane for this radio holding it in your hand, you, you know, you're, you're helping the radio to transmit. If you want to improve your reception, you know, ground it even further, stick it on your thigh. When I'm driving in the car and I'm in a little metal Faraday cage, right. Which can inhibit signals, a metal frame or a metal box, you know, put rest that thing on your thigh and suddenly you'll be able to pick up, you know, repeaters you couldn't pick up uh, previously because you're making that antenna more efficient. You're helping it resonate. So right. just, you know, science, science is great. And there's, and there's a lot of these radios you can get magnetic antennas mm -hmm. to stick to the outside of your car and roll your window up on them. So those those exist similar to like a satellite uh, antenna. Yep. Um, so, yeah, antennas are super important. Uh, Disco 32 makes a lot of good antennas. Mm -hmm. um, 
So that's that's a great kickoff point there. Um, yeah, I still have yet to drive around with my Yesu. You know, I keep doing these little trips up north and stuff. To there's a place called Fun Spot. It's a arcade museum. So we go play arcade games up there and stuff like that. I got to start running this while I'm there. I still and I, you know, it's like a practice what you preach kind of thing. Like I know how to use my Baofangs pretty well. I still this is still foreign to me. I, I still have yet to sit down and spend the time to learn it in its entirety. You know, I know how to run scan and switch between the mm -hmm. different channel frequencies. But um, yeah, I still need to really sit down and learn this radio. Yeah. Now, you, you... Cool, sorry, the coolest feature you need to learn on that radio is the band scope. I don't know if you've seen this. No, <laughs> but it will it will it will visualize it will show you what kind of signals are popping up, you know, between certain frequencies. So um, you can see it'll, it'll constantly scan, you know, a, 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 a certain span of frequencies and, and show you what's popping up. Um, let me see if I can open it up here. Um, so if you go to, I don't know, if you hit FMW to go to the, the menu and then you go to the second page, there's scope and it will start scanning and show like it'll visualize signal strength along a, a band scope. Hold on, I so locked it. <laughs> How do I lock? Oh, I got to tap that. All right. So yep. FM, FMW. Yeah, FMW. Yep. And then go over to your second radio screen. It says forward. Uh-huh. Yep. Oh, and then there's one called scope and just hit that second radio screen do i the one that says forward fwd nope so uh let's see yeah fwd with the arrow and then on the left hand side you'll see a button called scope oh okay yeah it's grayed out right now okay might have to go into frequency mode i can i can show you later on but anyway what it does is it visualizes kind of you know signals around you um so it'll start scanning like i don't know uh, a couple of megahertz worth of bandwidth and, and show you kind of what's popping up in front and behind, you know, so you can kind of visually navigate the spectrum and see what kind of signals are out there if you're, you know, if you're curious. So yeah. it's, it's a powerful little radio. That's why I love it. APRS is another thing as well, the, the packet reporting system. Yep. So if you're hunting, driving, hiking, you can set it up to, to basically send a, a digital beacon every, you know, every mile or every 15 minutes, whatever the interval is, and it will use its you know gps capabilities to send that back to uh, a digital node that you know your wife or someone can look up on the internet and see your your progress it'll basically plot you out on a map yep um so there's a lot of cool features that it does for such a you know a little a little size so yeah and this is a digital radio compared to the more anal the analog Baofeng. correct yeah they, the wires x is the is the uh basically the protocol that yesu uses um I'm, I'm not hundred percent sold on, uh, you know, radio over the internet kind of capabilities because it's just, it's another vulnerability. Right. Right. I, I would love the time to jump into all the different digital, you know, standards for different radios, but you know, if phones are down, chances are your internet's going to go down as well. So having very standard tried and true analog skills with your radio, you know, can really pay off in certain situations. That's and this can do both, there. right? Correct. So, Correct. so yeah. yeah, that's the nice thing about having these more expensive higher end radios. They're also touchscreen. Uh, you can also have individual volume control over your channels very simply. Uh, they're nice. It's yeah, it's a nice little radio. Only thing though, my battery. I feel like this battery when I first got it would hold charge forever, and now this really? thing will par parasitic battery drain. Really? Yeah. So like I charge it for Texas. I've had it on for maybe 20 minutes and I have like 2% battery left. 
Um, they do make a cool battery pack for the ASUS that you can put trip double A's in instead. Mm -hmm. I have that. But do they make any extended battery? I have not seen an extended battery for this handheld. To be honest, I don't know if I've ever looked. Um, I've always just, you know, purchased backups as the standard size battery. That might be something to look into. I'm just grateful they make a push to talk that works with Yesu. Like that's not a standard Kenwood plug. Because um, I feel like there's tons of accessories, right? You brought up Disco 32 that make a great push to talk. But, you know, the Kenwood 2-pin is, is very standard. Yesu stuff is a little bit harder to come by. Yep. Um, there's a lot of... There's a ton of Baofeng models out there right now. There's a waterproof version that has a different connector altogether. We're kind of in, I don't know, the golden age of like, you know, tactical radio applications from a civilian perspective, right? Um, you know, there's more accessories and features and things coming out every day that make it more easy to integrate, you know, into your plate carrier, into your chest rig, into your, you know, your range belt, whatever that may be. So, um, yeah, it's a good time to be into radios. Lots of cool stuff out there. Yep, and I'm on the AC website right now. Um, it's actually, their accessories list is cool. So on the AC website, you can go to accessories tab, and it'll show you the 3AA battery tray, the 1100 uh, milliamp hour battery pack, then the bigger one, the 2200 uh, milliamps all the different cables and it has all the fucking SKUs for everything. So that's cool. So if you need to look up, you know, microphone adapter, the different PTTs, like the, you know, the police style PTTs that they have. Mm -hmm. So that's all there. Uh, it doesn't look yeah. like they have an extended one. It looks like they just have a fatter battery pack. Right. Uh, my, my only word of warning would be make sure you're buying PTTs from reputable sources there's some good guys. There's some Facebook groups, guys that make them. They're amplified for civilian radios. They're made quality. Those are great. There's a couple of companies that have popped up making them. Um, I use a Disco 32. It's what I've used for a long time. Um, but just make sure that you're buying, you know, a proper amplified Nexus PTT. Um, Cause there's a bunch of airsoft knockoffs out there that are just, you know, garbage and people want to save $20 and buy the $60, you know, PTT versus the $80 PTT and it doesn't work. And then they, you know, send me DMs, how can I get this going? And it's just, it, it's kind of a pain. So when you're dealing with radios that are already very budget friendly, right? A $35 radio is anybody can buy this. You can buy a couple of these and give them to your aunt, your uncle, your grandma, whoever else, and have a little network. Don't be the guy who is buying an extended battery and wants to save $3. So he buys a knockoff of an already cheap product. <laughs> yeah. It's just, and then never ends well. It's, it's always inferior quality. Yeah. I mean, and that's what I'm looking at right now. Like I can get a 2,600 milliamp hour Yaisu battery pack from a company called good Q buy for 27 bucks. And it's got 12 fucking reviews, but you can, if you go down I, an original Yaisu SBR, which is the, the real pack, uh, an actual Yaisi, that's $100. So, I mean, you're, you know, there's, there's companies out here that aren't even listed as uh, IfroTech, Ifro, iFreakTech, like some of them look legit. Yeah, there, there was a guy on Instagram, uh, one of those meme pages who was like, you know, Baofeng is the Olight of the radio world. And I was like, well, no, no one is, yes and no, right? Um, there's some guy who claims his Baofeng battery like melted, but you know, lithium ion batteries, if you buy cheap, always have that risk, but I don't know if they're quite as deadly as Olights, but, uh, you know, <laughs> no one is, no one is lying to themselves when they buy a $35 radio, right. Saying that it's the latest, the greatest, the most robust, the strongest, 
But what it is really good at is giving a whole lot of people who would not normally be interested in radios an opportunity just to experiment, yep. right? Just buy it, just try it. See if you, you know, start scanning the airwaves, right? Get some repeaters programmed in, listen to a couple of nets, kind of get the feeling for how, you know, radio communication works. Uh, when we have tornadoes, the first, you know, here in Texas, the first thing I turn on is my radio. And I listen to the weather spotters who are out there telling us, you know, live as it's happening, where the rotations are. And then I'm watching the news and five minutes later, it gets reported, right? It's, it's, it's a very powerful tool. Spend the 35 bucks just to see what it's like. And then from, you know, there you can upgrade, then you can get a 60, 70, $80 radio. Then you can get a $200 radio. Uh, you know, just take it, take it in steps. Um, just understand that it's, bare bones, basic minimum quality entry level kind of technology. Um, but you know, you don't have to necessarily dive in, you know, and spend hundreds of dollars right off the bat. Yeah, absolutely. So our, um, quality websites for like batteries, accessories, like I'm looking at ham radio outlet right now mm -hmm. seems legit. Like Am Amazon, you gotta be careful about it's too yes. much fake shit on Amazon. Um, so I saw uh, batteries, America seems legit. Ham radio outlet seems pretty fucking legit. Oh, look, they're fucking $30 cheaper. Yep. Ham radio outlet actually has a number of brick and mortar stores. I've got one right here in Plano. That's, you know, only a couple of minutes away from me. Um, they're great. Um, they always have stuff in stock. That's where I bought my FT 3d. I bought coax from them. I bought a bunch of stuff from them. The, the good thing to, to remember on Amazon is you need to see who's fulfilling it. Right. Um, yep. B tech B tech is the American distributor for Balfung. Um, buy directly from their website. Um, you know, if the cable is garbage, send it back, right? Take advantage of Amazon Prime. Typically, if you buy from BTEC, you are going to get an authentic, you know, battery pack or an authentic cable, and you're generally going to have a good experience. But there are so many versions, like, you know, firmware aside, there's UV, the listing on Trip now is UV5X because there's so many versions, tri-band, you name it, high power, low power of the UV5R. It's really hard to... Uh, make sure you're getting one that's like a mainstream model or a reliable one, one that's been tried and true and, and, you know, tested. Another DM I get a lot is, Hey, there's this bulk pack that comes with earpieces and, you know, I can get two radios and two extended batteries and, you know, all these other little, you know, gimmicky accessories you never actually use for, you know, $60. And if I was buying them on my own, they'd be like a hundred dollars. I'm like, well, you know, there are knockoffs, right. Of, of Balfung products, which yep. is just kind of, it still blows my mind. It's a cheap Chinese product that has its own knockoffs. Like I don't get it, but don't be the guy that wants to, you know, save a couple of bucks on an already very affordable product because it's, it's never going to, you know, work out very well. You're always going to have a poor experience down the road. Absolutely. It's, so. it's the reason it's the reason I created my Amazon list because there were so many people buying junk cables, buying bad batteries, you know, I don't run the Amazon store. I just made the list to steer people in the right direction. But, uh, you know, it's, you know, it, it helps to avoid all the, the junk that's out there. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's the thing, man. It's just <laughs> with batteries and shit blowing up and yep. trash, you know, you don't want this thing left in your car and then a battery pops on you and burns your car down. Exactly. So, you know, and another thing, I just looked in the, the ISU batteries, even the battery itself doesn't say ISU on it. And it's the fact the factory battery, but the packaging oh, really? says it, it says like Yaisu limited dot co or whatever. So, yeah. Did you, uh, did you ever do the Mars cat mod? Did you ever take out that little resistor? On no, the not radio? yet. Um, so Alex is talking about <laughs> secret is a, in the back of the ISU is a little, 
little rubber dot here. You pull that out and uh, you heat it up with a soldering iron and then with a pair of pl uh, tweezers, just pull that out. And that's removing the, the limiter. <laughs> yeah, it, it basically unlocks the radio. So they will come from the factory like you can't transmit on FRS or anything like that. It's called the Mars Cat Mod because it helps you to access frequencies that are designed like interstitial channels for military and civilian emergency response. Um, and it, it gets you what that's why it's called Mars cap. Cause that's the program. But what it does is it just unlocks the radio. So, you know, if I'm, if I've had an accident somewhere, pig hunting and a, you know, side by side rolls on top of me, I want to be able to transmit on FRS. If it's going to save my life, I want Absolutely. that radio to work for me. I don't want that radio to limit me. So, you know, if you're confident with the soldering iron, you know, or some pliers, you know, get in there and make the modification, but ham radio outlet actually offers it as a service. So, you know, just another recommendation I would have uh, for people who are buying these radios. Yeah. I just literally sent myself an email to remind me <laughs> of, I, I even in my Gmail, I have a radio tab, everything nice. from you, anything I buy for radios, I know yeah. where I bought to remind me where I bought it from. Um, so yeah, it's, it's funny. It, you know, everything is, uh, everything's pretty fucking rad with radios. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things to keep in mind when you're doing like PTT and stuff. So he's out, you know, I was talking about hunting. Here's a pair of OpsCore amps. I have the OpsCore factory down lead cable for them. It's like a hundred and fucking $70, $140 cable. Yeah, it's absurd. And it's like a seven month lead time for them now. Uh, you, got the, you got the connectorized version, right? Yes. Of the amps. Yeah. So when I bought mine, I got the standard non-correct connectorized. Oh no. Well, no, it's on purpose because the, the down lead is a U174, right? It's the really fat looking plug right. that's standard for all of these push to talks. Unless you're using a military radio, like uh, sometimes I know like rotary aircraft use half moon limo plug. There's, there's a bunch of different RAM connectors out there if you're ever in an aircraft of any kind. But for someone like me, who's, you know, on the ground hunting pigs more often than not, you know, that U174 plug is all I'm ever going to use. So I got the, you know, the standard fixed down lead saved a little bit of money, but you know, just, it didn't make sense to buy the other version, but those down leads like, yeah, they're like 150 bucks a pop. If you want to have the ability to switch them out. So I, I feel your pain on that. It's not cheap. They used to be cheaper. Um, cause I remember weapon weapon outfitters was selling the down leads for uh -huh. like hundred, like 99 bucks. And I'm wow. like, bro, I'm score selling them for like 149. And he's like, Oh man, they must've changed the pricing on it. We didn't know. And I was like, fuck, I should have bought them, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so this is a disco 32 push to talk to a Kenwood. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is for the, the Yesu. This is just a Nexus U94. Um, I've never hot mic'd before, but disco 32 does make a little safety for hot mic, which is kind of cool. Yep. Uh, their, their button is like a very firm audible click. I like that. You had some others in the past that were a very soft button and it was much easier to accidentally key up and, you know, then you're hot mic and it's just embarrassing. Yeah. You don't want to do that. And it looks like, it looks like he takes U94s and he rebuilds them. I can see RTV around it. So he probably waterproofs them by putting RTV mm -hmm. in there. Um, and then this one is an amplified circuit because you need mm -hmm. amplified to, for these, but not all yeah. headphones need amplified, correct? Correct. And this is another thing that people just hate trying to deal with because whether you're, you know, Peltors and Sordans can have very different results using the same PTT. So 
your, your standard Peltor contacts are going to be, they're going to use a dynamic microphone. Typically. Um, I don't know of any that don't typically it's a dynamic microphone. Same with amps, right? It's a dynamic microphone, a very standard type of, you know, technology. Some of your Sordans are going to have an electric microphone, which means there's, you know, there is, or I forget whether there is a voltage or isn't a current voltage running through it at all times, but it means that it's not going to work with an amplified push to talk, right? The, the circuitry is just not going to cooperate uh, together. So the very first set of EarPro I ever bought were, you know, you know, uh, Sword and Supreme Pro X's. And I had to get this like really expensive conversion kit to put a microphone hanging off the side just so I could use my radios. And it was electric. It wasn't dynamic. And then I had to go find a special PTT for it to make it work. And it like, it took me weeks to get all the parts, you know, cooperating the way they should. So the easiest solution, you know, Peltors is what I recommend. If you, if you're looking for, what's interesting is Peltors used to be like the Gucci ear pro. And now they're like the middle of the range ear pro because amps right. are expensive. Um, you know, if you've got Howard lates, like you're, you're going to have a tough time connecting those to your radio. They just, you know, it's like a 3.5 millimeter jack on the back and you're going to have to figure out a microphone solution. It's just, it's going to be a bit of a pain. You're going to have to be creative, but Peltors are hands down the easiest plug and play. Um, you know, hopefully you don't have a six pin down lead. You've got like a standard U174, get a Disco 32, get a Balfong. It's going to work. It's just going to, it's going to all going to work together. Amps are pretty much the same way. You know, they're just a lot more expensive, but um, I'm a big fan of the amps. The audio clarity, like the quality is just, leaps and bounds above other, you know, Sordans and Peltors that I've used in the past. Um, but that's, that's basically what you need to know to get it all connected. U174 uh, is the plug that you should be looking for. It's most standard, most universal. Um, if you're sending me DMs about like your weird, you know, plugs you got because you bought like a, uh, a headset from a tank operator that was Russian and you're wondering how to plug it in, like you're going to have to get your, you know, splicing and, you know, soldering iron game on to figure that out. That's, that's above my pay grade, but Peltors and amps are, are the easiest way to go. Yeah. And I'm sure if it's a Russian tanker one, the, the wire <laughs> colors are different than standard. Yeah. And um, yeah. So if you're getting into comms for your headphones, figure out whether you have an amplified headset versus an electrite, you said electrite, electric, electric, yeah, it's um, less common, but yeah, they're less there. common, but it's there, uh, you know, and Disco 32 is really responsive as well. So if you're looking at his PTTs and you're confused and you're not sure which one, uh, he's great, uh, responds very quickly. So if you're like, oh, I'm not sure which one to pick, uh, he'll literally just send you the link. So and I've done yep. that. I'm like, uh, I need this for an amplified fucking amp. And he's just like, here, just click the link and buy. Yeah, he's a great guy. Like I said, I'm not paid or anything by them. They've supported me in the past and sent me a push to talk and some other stuff, but I've also bought plenty of their, their gear as well. I would buy it even if they weren't sending it to me. But uh, yeah, very responsive, very helpful. Um, they've got a lot of really cool, uh, you know, just general military radio knowledge. My background is not in the military or anything like that. You know, I'm, I'm purely from the civilian amateur radio world, and they're kind of they're talking to each other more and more nowadays. Like I just picked up a, a, an old satcom antenna by Trevec Avant, like, you know, the old foldable ones, yeah, that, yeah. You know, directional satellite antennas. And I bought it. I got a decent price on it. I was like, I have no idea like what frequencies this is going to be good for. So I hooked it up to my antenna analyzer and it turns out that it actually is really effective and has a low SWR on GMRS frequencies. So I can plug it into, you know, I can use my GMRS radio for that and actually kind of, you know, use it to some degree, but more, there's more and more discussion, right? PRC 152s, which is like the, the rate, the military radio that everybody wants on their kit. Um, 
they pop up on eBay every now and then for like five grand. I've always, been, I've always been curious, but not like five grand curious. Um, just cause you know, if, if the encryption doesn't check out or it doesn't pass the boot up, like you've basically got a brick, right? So you, right. there's a lot of risk involved in buying those radios. Some people will buy the Chinese clone by, I think it's PR, PRI, PRC. There, there's a company that clones PRC 152s. Basically they're about 350 bucks. My personal opinion is it's a lot of money for a Chinese radio. Yeah. It does. Have, it does have an aluminum body and it is 10 Watts. Like there's some features that maybe justify that, but for $350, you can get, I don't know, some more advanced technology in my opinion yes. um, that you can actually program and, and, you know, have some, uh, you know, more capabilities out of, but Rule number one is always look cool. So if that's what you want to run on your, your plate carrier, go for it. Yeah. Use it, get scratches on it, make it look cool because that's the need that it's fulfilling for you, right? Yeah. So we we keep talking about five watt versus 10 watt. And so people mm-hmm. understand like 4G cellular network. This is also a wavelength of 5G. Everyone's like, oh, it causes cancer. Now, who knows? Who knows what it actually does? But according to 5G on a scientific level, those waves are so minute that they cannot penetrate past the first layer of human skin. So meaning it's not passing through your body. These waves are not going through your cells. They're not disrupting anything. They're not cancer causing. So from a scientific level, mm-hmm. so people understand different networks, like a cellular network, yeah. uh, those waves are not penetrating your body. So they should, unless you're under a fucking cell tower or under, you know, like a power station where yeah. electromagnetic waves are coming out and those waves are passing through your body and mutating cells and potentially causing cancer. Yeah. You, you um, would, your body would get very warm. You would realize something was going on if you stood in front. Of exactly. Those. Now you're talking about 10 watt. You said earlier, uh, you know, I wouldn't want 10 watt next to my head. Now radio mm-hmm. waves pass through soft P like soft medium, like they pass Correct. through us. So having something more powerful, uh, transmitting different frequencies through your body, it is disrupting cellular material. Now, normal normal radio waves are so minute, they're not actually doing anything. For, they're so long, right? That they're right. not uh, really changing anything. But that's, uh, that's a, yeah, I mean, that's a great point. There's something, there's something called an RF burn, right? Even on something, let me bring up this little malfunction right here. So that's your standard SMA male connector right there. If you turn this on and you key up and your finger is right there, it will shock you. You will feel it. It won't kill you. It probably won't feel very good, but it, you know, it's a self-correcting problem. The first time you do it, you're like, okay, don't touch the connector while I'm keyed up with, if, you know, if you were to put an antenna on there, I doubt you would feel any kind of, you know, negative effect. But when you start getting to some of the base stations in your home, like a large antenna up on a mast, you know, 25 Watts is going to give you a nasty burn, right? If you, if your hand is on that antenna and you key up, you will get blisters. It'll cook your skin because you're, you know, taking 25 Watts of energy into your body, right? Obviously 50, hundred Watts, like that gets very, very dangerous very, very quickly. 10 Watts, you know, like next to your head is just, I don't know. It's not something that I'm dying to do. I don't want that touching my ears or my brain <laughs> or anything like that. Yeah. If I'm going to use, I've got a radio, you know, I've got actually, let me bring it up right here. This is a radio and a go box, right. That I use that I can bring in a field somewhere in my car. It's very lightweight it's 25 Watts. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm typically going to run my antenna a couple of feet away from me just so that, you know, there's no chance that I'm going to be, uh, you know, taking that energy, that radio wave into my body directly. Um, so, you know, it's 10 Watts is not always the best way to go. More power is not always better. Um, 
it can give you more more capability in a bad situation. It can get your signal out further, but just you know understand when and where to apply that. When you talk to the guys at Disco Thirty Two, uh, you know mil military radios, handheld radios for a very long time were just five watts, right? It was obviously there were some some concerns about security, safety, you know, giving your position away with you know signal um, signature and things like that. But five watts was was perfectly fine, you know, to get their signal out and to get, you know, communications back to base, things like that. So it's a, it's a good point you bring up. Yeah. Just something to keep in in the back of your mind. You know, we are messing with things that pass through your body. <laughs> right. uh, you know, don't stand. It would be like standing in front of the microwave with the door open. You know, you don't want to <laughs> fucking do that. I mean, you don't yeah. want to stand in front of the microwave anyway, but, right. uh, and, and the reality is, you know, whenever you step outside your house, there's waves of all kinds of all different frequencies on all band spectrums. Uh, you know, think about the light spectrum, right? We can only see a very small portion of visible light. There's all kinds of rays that, that are completely undetectable to us. The ground is constantly emitting radiation of some level, right? Yep. So what you don't want is a concentrated period of radiation over a very short amount of time, right? right. Um, that's, that's when you start having problems, but you know, your, your router in your home, you know, whether it's two, 2.5 gig or five gigahertz, that is a wave, that is a frequency. Um, you know, there's, there's a point where, you know, you can, this is when the FCC gets involved. When you start messing with your neighbor's Wi-Fi because you're, you know, blasting on five gigahertz or something like, um, you, you've got to understand how waves interact with each other and not, you know, obviously bleed onto other spectrums. If you want to, um, Get into something really cool using Wi-Fi for communications. There's something called a pirate box. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but basically you take you know a Raspberry Pi and a you know a small portable you know home router, upload some firmware and make your own little private network, and you can get a directional antenna. And suddenly your buddies can log on to this private little network that's all encrypted, and you can have a chat. And you know it's, it's you know with an external battery pack, a little router, and you know a Raspberry Pi, you've got a very small little network you can carry with you anywhere you want. And that's not even amateur radio, right? Yep. That's a separate band just for Wi-Fi. That is, you know, is it's a separate beast altogether. But communications doesn't just have to be this. You gotta be, be careful so with Raspberry Pi, though, bro. <laughs> there is a website in the UK that you download your IP and you can hack networks. Like oh, that, that same configuration that you're talking about is hooking up like a little Raspberry Pi or a little mm -hmm. Wi-Fi card. Uh, yep. You can buy these three dollar Wi-Fi cards on eBay. Hook up a power supply to them. Uh, plug, get the connector from that Wi-Fi card to your cell phone. And there's a guy in the UK that you just go to his IP address that he has publicly listed on his fucking website. And it automatically backdoors into your neighbor's Wi-Fi. And you can packet load it, you can DDoS it, you can repeat it, and you can create fake networks so their phone's always trying to get on the correct network, and mm -hmm. you can completely cut network. So where you have like your that's neighbor crazy. that's blasting, oh dude, I, I went down the rabbit hole on what, about that one time, <laughs> like for like eight bucks, you can literally hack any fucking Wi-Fi with this guy's, uh, but obviously I'm sure his his IP address is being tracked by yeah. the feds. So if you All go to- yeah, all the three-letter agencies. So if you go to his website and you use and you link in with your phone, you know, to his IP address, you're essentially, you know, pretty much committing a felony. Uh, messing with That's your neighbor's Wi-Fi is very illegal. Now, yeah, granted, it is that. it is a UK website. I'm sure it's being monitored because in the UK, it's not illegal. 
I mean, I think you can get like a it's a crime, but it's not on like a federal level. In the U.S., if you're caught with one of those little Wi-Fi uh, cards with a battery source connected to your phone and they can prove that you've used some sort of backdoor to, to tamper with Wi-Fi, I mean, you're going to jail. <laughs> like you're actually going to jail. And um, there's a bunch of you. You can go down YouTube and look it up later. But yeah, it's similar to Raspberry Pi. And um, there's a bunch of different features on this dude's IP address that he has listed that you can fuck with shit. It's like, oh, my upstairs neighbors in my apartment complex always Netflix and chill and blast fucking porn at three o'clock in the morning. And me and my wife can't sleep. So people have have (laughs) done this where they just like, oh, no Wi-Fi for you. (laughs) Like no Wi-Fi for you past 2 a.m. because I need to fucking sleep. And then eventually they call their service provider and say, I keep losing Wi-Fi around three o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning. And they can backdoor it to you're being hacked. And then that's when the police get called and an investigation happens and they start investigating local apartments within that yep. Wi-Fi network. And then they will figure out who you are and you will get into a lot of trouble. Yeah, that, that, that was my point earlier, right? Like there's not enough FCC guys to be out there monitoring everything all the time. You have to be transmitting very long, very loud, very high power for a considerable amount of time for a pattern to be recognized before they can really identify, you know, and make a report on you. There was a guy who was so sick of people talking on their phones. I forget what city this is. might've been Florida. It sounds like something Florida man would do. <laughs> he was so sick of people driving and talking on their phone. He bought a cell jammer, right? Which is very illegal, except, you know, for certain special agencies that, you know, are allowed to do that. And he would turn it on his afternoon commute. Everyone around him would lose cell service. And eventually this business on the highway was like every day at 5 PM, we, you know, our cell phones drop out. They reported the FCC, the FCC eventually picks this guy up and he gets a big fine, but you've really got to draw attention to yourself for something like that to happen. Yeah. Um, what's interesting is the big shift now, like everybody, you know, we talked about the great medical revolution. Now, the, now the comms revolution, people get these, they figure them out, they learn what they can do. Then they move on to other interesting, you know, covert tools. There's a guy um, on Instagram, who I've only had brief exchanges with, you know, by DM, but his name's SoCal Offgrid, and he's into a lot of like really cool digital tools that they're ju- they're just listening devices, right? Um, using Raspberry Pi to do interesting things. Um, you know, the Ponagotchi is one thing. It's a little small card, like you probably heard of this. Yeah, a small little card that listens for Wi-Fi handshakes, right? When you join a network, there's an agreement between the two devices that allows you to enter that network, and there's something called a handshake that's exchanged. It's permission to get on that that network. Right. So what Ponagotchi does is it just listens for the handshake, and it's scanning 12 or 13 channels, and it just silently throughout the days you move around the office the city whatever else it will just listen you know something that's already out there in the airwaves that's you know somewhat public information and it just silently records it eventually you know you get all these little passports to people's networks around your daily route you know around your daily activities but there's really cool stuff when you get into like five gigahertz using wi-fi signals for communications because it is totally encrypted. It is totally digital. Right. You know, you can password protect it and have a private little chat network using an extended battery and our, you know, an Arduino, you know, a Raspberry Pi and, and, you know, a little, you know, router hotspot. Yep. It's a, uh, it's kind of the, the next big thing that I want to get into at least when I have the time. Yeah. It's like radios are already, you know, we, like you <laughs> yeah. said, like we know about 80% of antennas, you know, we, the, yeah. the other, the rest is magic, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Same goes for the digital side of things, man. It's wild. And I, I think, 
you know, with security and with all these executive actions being passed and, you know, last year, everyone was like, fuck, no, knock raids, Breonna Taylor. And now the Biden administration's pushing for no knock anytime for gun confiscation, like uh, the hypocrisy of the, the current administration being anti one thing and turning around and just being pro everything cop, everything fed. Um, yeah, it's kind of scary. It's kind of scary right it's, now. It's, I mean, and it's, it's nuts. Like the president of the United States got banned from Twitter. Yep. Like, it's like the, te- the tech oligarchy, the tech oligarchy had the, you know, the, I don't know, the guts to do that and to say, we're going to shut down the leader of the free world. Like a lot of people got into radios and that happened because they realized at any point they could be completely shut down. Right. Like I, we're on Instagram a lot at any given point, they could shut the lights off. We could be gone tomorrow. Like everything, all the connections we've made, you know, in the industry with good people, knowledge that's being shared could just get shut down immediately. So diversifying your communications is, is really, really important. If you're an Instagram only guy, like I am, you know, make sure your site's up running, make sure your email list is active, make sure you've got telegram and, you know, all these other, all these other chat options going because you don't want to have all your eggs in one basket. It's very, it's fragile. Yeah, that's one thing that we're pushing for for communications is get more people to sign up for our newsletter. Uh, we mm-hmm. send a weekly newsletter out with updates on like what's available. But mm-hmm. if shit ever happened with our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, what like Google Play and Apple, like, oh, the two majors where you download your apps from, like people also forget you can download apps from the actual websites. You don't have to go through Microsoft Store or Play Store or Apple Store. You can still get apps to your phone that aren't through those systems. So people need to remember that. Uh, Secondly, um, yeah, like look at the three major app stores that were available they locked um all those other apps that people were claiming were conservative white supremacists it's like no people just want freedom of speech and not be involved in cancel culture and then cancel culture canceled out those apps and basically fucking got them off all the stores so they had to start uploading their apps to their own website so for anyone in the gun industry you should have a solid fucking website with a solid fucking web team um You got to make sure that you work on your email list. Your email campaign list is so fucking imperative. Um, And you got to do it. You got to do it. Because if you were to disappear off all social medias, everyone's like, where'd they go? It's like, you still have a fucking website. That's how you buy holsters from us. That's how you buy equipment from us. Um, So yeah, yeah. uh, For everyone in the industry needs to start building up their alternative modes of communication. 100%. I've got, so in my professional life, I work in advertising and I've got a couple of, brands I work with that are, you know, in the gun industry, uh, one's an ammunition provider called true velocity. And they've got some really amazing technology that they're coming out with. But, you know, when we're going to market with them, we have to understand how to diversify our communications. Um, you know, because, well, first of all, first party data is really what you need, right? You need to be able to, you know, connect with your customers. And I can say this as someone who works in the industry, Facebook is a gatekeeper, right? They're going to sell your, your own audience back to you for a price. And if you can remove that middleman and have direct communications and, you know, be this, you know, hundred percent, the steward of your own brand, that's really, you know, where you need to go because anything could happen at any point. Um, I was talking to another guy in the industry and this is just a, you know, third hand story. It's not my own firsthand experience, but, uh, you know, for, for a long time, 
uh, Beretta, you know, the, the manufacturer in Italy was, you know, using Sitecore, Sitefinity for their website, you know, if you're into web development and stuff. And uh, so, you know, Salesforce started shutting them down. Yep. And, uh, uh, you know, when, when the Vegas shooting happened, they didn't want to have any association with, uh, you know, firearms, anything at all. And, you know, if you're an e-commerce brand and 50% of your sales are coming from online, you know, sources, that's your revenue that just got shut off in a heartbeat with no justification because someone yep. decided they didn't like you. Yep. So they had to invest in their own custom platforms just so they could be safe as a firearms brand because we've got guys like the PayPal's of the world that decide, oh, you're, you know, you're buying and selling things we don't agree with. So we're going to hold, you know, we're going to put a freeze on your account and you can't have your $15,000 that's in your PayPal. Yeah. Account. It like gets that's, jammed that's up. That's huge. That's for a small business. That's that, you know, that could be a death knell, you know. Yeah, we uh, we abandoned PayPal uh, about less than a year into our inception because a couple friends got fucking smashed by PayPal and twenty five grand was tied up, and it took and then it stays in limbo for a hundred and eighty days before you can petition to get your money back, and a lot of times you need to hire a law a law firm to write a fucking letter, yeah. an official letter to PayPal legal saying release this money this is not your money and it's like mm -hmm. oh you violated terms you can't steal someone's fucking money uh shopify did it to noveski mm -hmm. they shut noveski down yep. and uh they done it they did it to a uh, fuck ton of other companies and it's like oh how do you move from a shopify page that's only branded for shopify to uh you know a woocommerce or an e-commerce or big commerce page overnight so you don't lose revenue it's hard <laughs> you yeah. know it's it's crippling and that's like even down to credit card processing like we just switched over to a pro to a credit card processor and we're moving away from uh we use stripe uh, mm -hmm. historically well stripe shut down a couple gun gun pages so uh you know there are a lot of pro 2a out there even down to like insurance dude mm -hmm. like my uh, my insurance company is the same one that does like boston red Sox and like patriots and stuff like that because we're out in new hampshire um but they're pro 2a but yeah. we had to shop around quite a bit yep. through our broker to find an insurance company that would even support us you know yep. and then they're like oh well they don't sell guns cool what's fine like they do holsters oh they're guns on the property cool that's fine as long as they're not selling guns like yeah you know and um you know it's worked out but yeah but i mean a lot of those companies as well will say well you're associated with a risky industry you know our you know, our analysts and our actuaries don't like the association, blah, 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 brand image, you know, brand health, all that kind of stuff. But right. The irony is for years, you know, the progressive left said, well, if you don't like social media, go build your own Facebook or your own Twitter. And the minute Parler was launched and gaining popularity, you know, they pulled the plug on that and said, well, actually, no, you can't build your own, your own platform. We're not going to allow that either. So you, you can tell why, uh, you know, there's so much frustration. Right. Because it, it really is, you know, it's, it's, it's unjust. It's censorship. Right. It's unjustified. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, I don't care what walk of life you're from. Everyone should share the same freedoms. You know, I, I love that shirt. It was like, I want my interracial gay neighbors to be able to adopt own machine guns and protect their weed crops. Like, that's what it should be. You should be allowed to do what you want. Uh, you should allow, you know, as long as you. Uh, are a good person you should be allowed to practice your exercise your freedoms um i you know i don't understand why you need to get a license to get married like that's me like why i love this person why the yeah. fuck does the government need to approve my love for somebody right 
So, you know, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good point. My, my argument for years has been, why is government in the marriage business at all? Why, you know, I, as a religious person, I see that as a religious ceremony. Why does government need to say yay or nay? Why is the government in the, in the train business, the transportation business, the housing business, the education business? Like that's, that's not, that doesn't align with my beliefs on what government should be right. Small and limited uh, in its size. It, uh, yeah. Because they're the mob. Like the government just took their business model from the mafia. Like, oh, yeah. oh everyone needs to give us a little, you know? Um, so in closing, because we got more to talk about. We could talk about oh, yeah. more FCC stuff that's coming down the pipe for people to yep. look forward to. Um, but we can save that for a part two sometime. Um, Let's do it. Uh, anyway, Alex, A Gains on uh, Instagram. That's with an underscore at the end, correct? Two underscores, yeah. Two underscores at the end. Uh, so check him out, use his, utilize his services. Uh, he can help you out with programming. He sells programming services and uh, he's got pretty cool swag as well. Uh, Alex, thank you so much for being on the uh, A&R Design Unholstered podcast episode four. Anything else you'd like to add? No, it's just been an absolute pleasure to be considered one who's worthy of the podcast and be able to <laughs> chat with you. Um, you know, if people have questions, feel free to send me a DM. My, my one request is that you do your homework ahead of time. You know, I, I can't study it for you. I can't, you know, I'm not going to Google things for you, but if you've got questions, you know, feel free to hit me up. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, uh, participating in uh, our new podcast. So thank you so much, awesome. man. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the A&R Design Unholstered podcast with Alex Costa. 